John verse uh, 37 and 38. Watch, watch what Jesus is doing. Now, he's already come in. He has already cleansed the temple. Uh, he's been preaching and arguing with the Sadducees and, and, the, and the Pharisees. Uh, and, and, you know, as a matter of fact, at this point, the Sadducees asked him their final question, which was a question about the resurrection, uh, and they tried to trip him up. But, but the unique thing about it was the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection anyway. And uh, so they were trying to make this question out so that no matter how he answered it, he would be blasphemous. And when they left, they said of Jesus, this, this is amazing, that was a very good answer. Uh, his enemies who created a question to trip him up literally said, good answer. Uh, but now watch what he does in verse 37. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple, but he, at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Now, we see a picture here of two days of Jesus' life. Now, remember, he came in on Sunday. He's going to hang on a cross on Friday. All right, so for five days here, we see a picture of two of them. I don't know if it was Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday or Monday and Tuesday, but we see a picture of two days. Watch what he does on the first day. He comes into the temple and he teaches the people on the scriptures and talks to them about what is happening to him. That night he goes out and he sleeps on the mountain, uh, the Mount of Olives, or the mountain called Olivet, and he, and he gets some rest. And where do we find him in the next morning? Early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So Jesus is about to, to face the most, one of the most brutal executions devised by man. But instead of being worried and nervous and, and scared or angry or frustrated, instead of, uh, of running and trying to hide, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is doing what he came to do. Jesus is doing the business that his father sent him to do. All the way up until the end of his days, Jesus is doing what he was supposed to be doing. Every morning, they didn't find him running scared. They found him in the temple, in his father's house, teaching the people. And they came to hear him. Because Jesus had a job to do, and he understood that no matter what is about to happen to me, I still have a job, and I still have to get it done. Why? Because there are people for generations to come that need me to do my job. They need me to stay on point, to stay focused, to keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and get my job done, no matter how hard it is. Let's fast forward a little bit to Matthew chapter 26 now. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. <clears throat> So Jesus has been teaching, he's been giving parables, he's, again, all this stuff that he's doing in the temple, he is preaching. Now he says to his disciples, After two, in two days is the Passover, and, and I will be crucified. 
I will be crucified. The Passover now is the feast. You'll remember back, it's the feast all the way back going into the book of Exodus uh, when God was delivering his people out of Egypt. Uh, and the final plague was they had to slaughter the lamb, put the blood over the doorpost because the, the, uh, the angel was going to come by and anything that did not have blood over the doorpost, the firstborn son, the firstborn of the son, livestock, everything would, be, would die instantly. And that's how the people were delivered. So they celebrated this feast. This is coming. So he says, in two days, the feast is coming and the son of man, Jesus will be delivered up. Then watch what the chief priests say. Then the chief priests, the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill them, kill him. So Jesus says, they're going to kill me. Their plan is to kill him. But I want you to watch what they want to do in verse 5. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. So Jesus says, I'm going to die in two days on the Passover. The people says, you're, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees say, yes, you are right. You're going to die, but it's not going to be in two days. We're going to wait till after the feast. So the question then was, who was right? Jesus. Friday comes. Jesus is beaten mercilessly and he is hung on a cross and, and he dies on the exact day that he said it would happen. After putting him in jail and beating him and taking him from courtroom to courtroom all night, he dies on the exact day that he said it would. And furthermore, he dies on the day they said, let's not do it. And yet he fell right into their plan because all the way through, God had a plan. And when God has a plan and determines to work it out, there is nothing that the enemy can do to stop it. There is nothing that he can make all the plans in the world and he can tell you that he's going to stop it. But just because he tells you to stop it does not mean that he can stop the plans of God. So we have to trust in God that no matter what happens, if we stay faithful to his will and we keep doing what we're supposed to be doing, we keep praying, we keep believing, we keep standing, we keep, we keep walking, we keep living by faith and trusting in the will and the goodness and the faithfulness of God, no matter what the enemy tries to do, his plan cannot come through, but only God's can. That is important for this evening because tonight one of our main purposes is to pray for those in need of healing. And as you're going through a time when you need healing and you're begging God to come through for you and to touch you in whatever area of your life that needs healing, the enemy wants to tell you it's not going to happen. It's going to happen this way or it's going to happen that way or it's going to, do, it's going to go about like this and God can't do that or God won't do that or it's not going to happen for you. Why do you keep believing? Why do you keep praying? Why do you keep seeking? Why do you keep asking? You've already prayed long enough. Obviously, God is isn't hearing you. Obviously, God isn't moving on your behalf. Has anybody ever heard the enemy say these things to you? And yet, here is the truth of God's word. When he has a plan for your life, nothing the enemy says can stop it. If he says you're going to be healed, you will be healed in his time. 
exactly when he says it will happen, exactly the way he planned for it, it will happen. If you need God to work on your behalf, just get a word from him and stay on board with that word. Stay in line with what he's saying and in its time, it will come to pass. They said we will not by under any circumstances crucify Jesus on this day and yet they did it on the very day they planned not to. I want to challenge your faith and encourage you. If God says he's going to heal you, you hang in there. Because it's just a matter of time. You keep believing. You keep See, what the enemy wants to do to us is he, he speaks to us. He knows he can't control it. Don't you know the devil has already realized that he is defeated and he is beaten and he cannot overcome God? So all his whole plan, what does the Bible say about the enemy? The Bible says that he is the father of what? Lies. So what that means is he is either going to flat out lie to you, just a ball-faced, no truth in it. You ever had a lie, somebody lie to you like that? I mean, just absolutely, there is nothing true about that statement. But really, he doesn't do that very often. Because he's more, uh, he has more trickery than that. So what he does is he, take pe- he takes pieces of truth and interweaves the lie. And, he, and, and he, he literally lawyers us into a position where we feel like we have no choice but to believe the lie. He leads us along uh, by by, uh, taking certain pretenses and certain truths, and he leads us to the place he wants us to, and he tells us A plus B equals C, but it doesn't really equal C. But because we believe A and because we believe B, we are then convinced that A plus B equals C. Does that make sense? And so our challenge then is to stay committed to God and his word because the enemy wants to get us off track because what can stop God from doing his will is our lack of faith, our lack of believing, and and our distrust in his plan and his will. We have free will in our life and we can turn away from him at any point. So the enemy knows, I can't defeat God's plan. All I can do is convince you to get off the path. So when the enemy says, you can't be healed, the doctors have tried. I mean, if the doctors can't do it, can God really do it? You've been to this prayer meeting. You've been to this altar call. You've, you've, you've had people lay hands on you. You've had people put oil on you. You've prayed. You've asked. You've sought uh, everything, and nothing has changed, so therefore God can't touch you. Or maybe God can, but he doesn't want to heal you. Lies. Lies. Here's why. John chapter 19, verse 1 through 4. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. This is when, Jesus, when Pilate took Jesus out to the whipping post. He brought out uh, what is commonly referred to as the cat of nine tails, which is a horrendous weapon. He brings it out. He hangs Jesus, ties him to this whipping post, and Roman soldiers beat him mercilessly. 
Hebrew law said they could only whip him 39 times, 39 lashes. But the truth is, uh, it is, it is quite plausible for a number of different reasons that they whipped Jesus even more than those 39 lashes. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put, him, put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them. Now, this is a very important words because sometimes we get it in our mind that the course of events went like this. Pilate sentences him to be crucified. So in the process of crucifixion, he sends them out. They get beaten at the whipping post and then they go to the cross and they hang there until they die. But that's not actually how crucifixion happened. The crucifixion and the whipping post were two separate events and two separate judgments. What Pilate was doing was he was saying, listen, I am going to whip him and scourge him so bad that he will wish he were dead, but I don't really feel like I can kill this man. So what I'm going to try to do, instead of going straight to crucifixion, I'm going to scourge him and hopefully that will be enough. So he brings him to the whipping post. He scourges him. He, he, he gives him uh, at least 39 lashes. <clears throat> and then he brings him back out and he says, look, look at the judgment I've already passed. Look at the sentence that's already been passed upon him. Look at the price that he's already paid isn't that enough the people said no we want him crucified so separate from the scourging is the crucifixion now it's important to recognize this because each of these things have two separate purposes in our lives let's go to peter and see what peter says are you with me on there we go, 1 Peter chapter 2. He's talking about Jesus who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So he turned himself over to God. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. Here is the purpose of the cross. To cover our sins. That because he took our sins, we can live for righteousness. Right? This is the purpose of the cross. But here's the purpose of the whipping post. By his stripes, we were healed. Two separate things. If it had been God's will... For there to be no healing power released in the kingdom of God to his people, he wouldn't have had to send Jesus to the whipping post. It didn't affect salvation. The, the cross was for salvation. The scourging was for healing. So if he didn't have a plan to heal, why did he put his son who he loves so dearly, his only begotten son, as John called him, why did he put him through that amount of torture if he didn't intend to heal in 2013? Who would, who would do that to their only child? Who would put him through this for no reason? 
God is a loving and a merciful and a, and a just God. And he had a plan that he had to live out. But, but, but his plan for salvation didn't include the whipping post. His plan for healing did. So he had to get it done. For healing to be released, he had to go to the post. So, so remember, when Jesus is, is uh, on the mountain and he's praying so hard and he's saying, Father, not my will but yours be done. He's not just talking about salvation, but he is looking at this night and saying, Father, I'll go to the whipping post if, if, if on March of 2013 of Holy Week, if you'll promise to heal somebody, I'll go to the whipping post. I'll take the stripes. I'll take the punishment. I'll bleed. I will spill my guts everywhere. If, on, if you will just heal one person, Father, it would all be worth it. Tonight, we're not talking about the cross. We're not talking about sin and righteousness. That's for Sunday. Today, we're talking about healing. God had a plan for our healing. And he set it in motion 2,000 years ago. And he made, a, 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 he, he made an appointment in our future to heal us. But the enemy comes in and he says, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Can't work. Won't do it. Can't happen. But God said, I made an appointment. And if you can just get to that appointment day, your healing will be waiting on you. Because he did it 2,000 years ago. Now remember, God is not bound by time. So what happened then is happening at, we are happening at the same time as that was happening for God. Because he's not in time. So he's standing outside of time looking and watching it happen. So right now, when he says, by his stripes you are healed, he's literally looking and saying, okay, that stripe right there, that was for your healing. This one, this one that's about to happen right here, get ready to be healed because this one is for you. This is the power of God at work in our lives. I want to build your faith today because we're about to pray for those in need of healing. And I believe that tonight is one of those appointments for people in this room. The enemy tried not to get you here. He tried to lie to you. He tried to tell you you couldn't make it. He tried to tell you it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to work. And yet, here you are. Have faith. Because I believe God wants to do some miracles tonight. In a moment, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to make themselves available. And I'm going to open these altars for anyone in need of healing. Now, when we say healing, the first thing our minds go to is physical healing. That is absolutely the case. By his stripes, we are healed of whatever physical ailments, whatever things are the enemy has sent to attack our bodies. But the scripture doesn't narrow it down to that. Because there are all types of healings that need to happen. There are emotional healings that need to happen tonight. You need God to heal you. You need God to do a supernatural surgery. Sometimes physical healings are the easiest ones. 
Not always, but sometimes there is a clear path to how to get out of it or what to do or how to handle it. Or you have this surgery or that surgery. You take this pill or that pill. You, you get this done or that done and you'll be okay. But man, the emotional wounds are, are sometimes so much more complicated. Sometimes they take years, even decades to heal if they ever heal. But God in a moment can say, by my stripes, you were healed. Move on in your life. I believe it's going to be that kind of night for people in this room. So there are physical healings. There are emotional healings. There are mental healings where life has broken you. And it's not that your heart is scarred, but it has impacted the way you think. Right? Your thinking patterns and processes have been altered in a way that does not line up with the Word of God because of the things that have happened to you. And you, you may have scarred over on your emotions and all that as well, and, but, but it affected the way you think. It affected the way you live your life. You don't go home and cry every day, but you live your life differently because, than what happened to you because, than when the way you used to because of what happened to you. And you need a healing in your mind. You need, you need God to touch and heal your mind. Whatever kind of healing you need tonight, I believe that God wants to do just that.